What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. What's up, guys? Today, I'm talking with Matt and Ashley Isles. Uh, They're a married couple. Both are uh, in practice physicians just now hitting uh, their three-year mark in practice. And they're doing a great job of shaping their finances around their values. And in particular, uh, their faith and giving to others. And so we're going to be talking today about what this has looked like for them and how they've been able to practice what they preach despite all the temptation and pressures that, that we all really face that often are, are, are in the opposite direction of all this. So I think you're going to enjoy hearing a little bit more about how they're doing this. So without further ado, let's jump into our conversation. So I, I was excited to talk to you guys. What I wanted to talk about mainly was kind of how you guys are really shaping your finances around your values. And sometimes that's easier said than done, but I know you guys are doing a great job there. And in particular with your charitable giving, um, I know it's important. We're going to talk a little bit about it now, like why it's important, what it looks like, that sort of thing. Uh, but Especially in medicine, I feel like the career track it may, makes it challenging or it can be challenging with the, you know, student loans and delayed start. And there's all sorts of pressure in the world, conflicting or competing uh, possible routes to put your money. So, and I think that's true for everyone. But despite all that, you guys have done a good job with this. You've, you've kind of made it happen. So did you, have you guys always been charitable or were you raised in a family that was charitable? When did all all kind of start for you? Well, for me, yes. Um, My parents kind of had a model growing up where they made sure to give the the 10% consistently. And on top of that, you know, had various, you know, missionaries they would support, things like that. So I was sort of aware of their fiscal responsibility in that sense, even though the details of it, I was never privy to. But I think for me, it was really somewhere in in college when I really had control of my own cash flow that um, I I found a weakness in myself where I really wasn't great at budgeting. (laughs) And so for me, instead of trying to get the budget thing right and then figure out how to give, I decided from the get-go, well, if I'm going to be a a bad budgeter as far as spending a little too much money on, you know, Starbucks or an extra pair of shoes or whatever. I'm going to be at least as generous with charitable things, missions, things, things that, you know, will count for the kingdom. And so um, I was actually, I put the planning part in the, on the back burner and just said, you know what, I'm going to be just as generous with the other and, and not worry. And of course, over time, the budgeting thing has become more of a part of it, but I started from a position of, I have to, I have to give at least as generously with others as I'm being with myself because nothing else made sense to me biblically. Mm-hmm. What about you, Matt? So uh, I grew up in a f- uh, family that my parents were really good with money, very frugal. I think some of that stemmed from uh, their parents who kind of experienced the depression on the tail end and, uh, so they were always very wise with their finances, but they were also very consistent in their giving. So they're pretty much 
always 10 percenters, I guess, if you could call them that. Uh, and then for me, I, I think it instilled in me the importance of giving. But I think similar to Ashley, I felt a burden uh, when opportunities would come with people close around me that um, were requiring finances for uh, mission trips or they were trying to raise for seminary or whatever it was, just feeling uh, the opportunity to to pour into them in that way, even if it wasn't a strict 10% kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So really, I guess if you really blow it down, you can only do three things with your money you can save it or spend it or give it away. For you guys, do you feel like, how do you rank the three of those? Save, spend, give. Um, <laughs> you can have different answers. I think that for me, I would rank it as like, if I just was going off what I would do <laughs> without um, other structure in place, I'd probably say spend, give, save would be my order. But in that, some of our spending, we also prefer it to involve other people. So things like, you know, just picking up the tab when we're out to dinner with friends or, you know, a lot of our spending is still very like community and like socially oriented, if that makes sense. Not necessarily charitable, but, but then yeah, giving is definitely our, one of our favorite things to be able to do. Um, Especially when there's a big need where we can just step in and take care of it um, for someone. Yeah, saving is obviously important, but it's not necessarily something we enjoy per se. I'd call it I'd call it spend giving. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I think some people would argue that that's giving. So not charitable giving, not tax deductible giving. But um, for example, uh, one of one of my favorite ways to give lately is with like stuff that we have. And my wife uh, always, <clears throat> she's good about like, she sell, she'll sell it on like Facebook marketplace or something like that. And, but I guess it randomly, uh, maybe a year ago or something, I'm like, why are we selling this stuff for, we don't really need the money. Why don't we just give it away to whoever? And even just randomly sometimes just decide to give it to somebody that decides they want to buy it. So I feel the same. I feel when I give when I do that, like we gave away furniture, a lot of furniture recently, and it wasn't a technically it wasn't a tax deductible gift. Um, or another good example, I think of that is a uh, big tips, like uh, leaving a really big tip, especially when you have a good connect, uh, uh, you know, when you have a good connection or you can tell maybe they need something. That's a huge exa- a way to give somebody and it doesn't show up on your you know tax return per se. And it counts as spending is maybe how most people define. Is that the type of stuff? Matt loves giving big tips. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. I think part of it too, is the trajectory of becoming a physician is such a long process. And most of it is being, it's a process of being poured into with time and, and effort. And I think that was the, one of the biggest reliefs or uh, that's not the right word joys of coming out the other side and being able to bless others because you just spent a decade and a half taking from everybody around you. Which I think is an interesting point. Cause I think that the temptation goes the opposite direction too. that. Like 
our profession is difficult and you feel like you're pouring yourself out all day for other people. And so the temptation is to feel like you deserve every penny you earn. Um, and that can be hard to combat. Yeah. Do y'all feel tem- temptation to, is the temptation to spend more money? Do you still, do you feel that? I mean, I feel it. I'm, uh, with your buddy that gets a oh, yeah, car or something or, you know, y'all feel that. So you're I'm, human. We're human. <laughs> <laughs> I've always loved spending money. Yeah. My, my parents said I was a terrible saver. Yeah. I think, um, I think that one of the ways that the, the Lord has kind of protected us from that, um, is giving us the the home that he has so far. Cause we live in a, a two bedroom, one bath house, <laughs> um, in a pretty mixed income neighborhood. And we keep joking that, um, it, it's helpful to have the size of closet that we do because if we had a bigger closet, we would fill with more stuff. So it's probably true. Yeah. But yeah, temptation to spend more totally. And yes, we do that. We do that too. What's sure. interesting when you're in a neighborhood, the neighborhood is like a really big kind of root level temptation, I guess. So if you get in the nicer neighborhood, there's much more temptation in the nicer neighborhood than there is in, you know, the uh, lesser because there's just less stuff. It's actually the opposite effect. I uh, I tell a story sometimes that I heard from uh, a couple of missionaries who had been on the field forever uh, in Southeast Asia, and they had wrestled for many, many months, maybe it was a couple of years, uh, in order to install one of those giant water basins on the top of their house in order to have running water because they knew it would alienate them from their neighbors. So I think the same thing could be said of living in a more mixed income neighborhood. You don't want to stick out. Yeah. You don't want to alienate people in your community by, by feeling like, Oh, you're the rich person that lives on such and such street or whatever. It can inhibit community. Right. So despite all that, um, there, you know, you have temptation like every one of us and you have, you even said, um, that, you know, say spending is number one priority and then giving and then saving. So how have you been able to, most people get out of, they, it's a slippery slope. The spending part is a slippery slope and they kind of slip off of it or maybe more likely they slip to like the top, they slip into spending what they take home. Um, how have you been able to carve out or not spend because saving and giving, I feel like they're kind of the same muscle, uh, at least from a financial standpoint, like a get it out, carve it out first. But how have you all been able to do that despite all the temptation and pressures that are out there? I, th- I think it goes a little bit back to what Ashley said. And maybe you could lump it into like large purchase, large purchases, whether that's a home or vehicle or whatever. Uh, that's one thing. And then number two is hiring somebody else to save your money for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was hoping you would say. I knew it. (laughs) Let me, let me put a little more, uh, meat on the bones, meat on those bones. So, um, I think one of the biggest places that I get a little uncomfortable with how extravagant we get sometimes is like vacations. Um, that's like a big temptation for us to kind of just be like, Oh, it's our time off. Like, let's go big. Like, 
Um, and that that is a very slippery slope um, sometimes when it comes to deciding to just pay more for what's easy because as busy as we are, we don't want to have a lot of time to like plan the vacation in the most economical way possible. But I think I think that Matt is 100% correct in you know the the boundaries that we put for ourselves um, have everything to do with what we do on the front end as far as the money disappears out of our account, you know, for the saving purposes before we ever really feel that we have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the same with the giving now too. We have our donor, sorry, remind me what it's called. Donor, donor advised. No, you need to donor use the advised. official, you need to use the official titling of it. What did you oh. call it? What did we call it? It's Jubilee the Isles Jubilee Fund. Yeah. Isles Jubilee Fund. Oh, that's right. That's official. That's the official name. Yeah. So, you know, I honestly don't know that I've progressed that much from my college self where, you know, if the money's there, I want to be generous with myself and splurge. You mean you continue to sin? (laughs) (laughs) You are human. I think in a lot of ways and in a lot of areas in life, like the same strategy can hold true is that you've got to put those external guardrails up for yourself in order to help yourself do what you know you should be doing anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like you've kind of removed the temptation out of the equation in a lot of ways. Like buying a modest house was a big one. And then getting the money out of sight, out of mind, that's because a lot of times everybody and maybe this is psychological or maybe it's just human nature, but a lot of people are like, well, I'll just see how things shake out with my finances. And then based on that, give, you know, or save. So that's kind of a spend first, save, give after. But the problem is that allows so much more temptation than versus a it's going to happen and I'm going to just get it out of my world where it's not even a, cause we're all kind of, or I'm definitely pretty, I don't have great willpower. The only willpower I have has been mainly because I've forced a lot of these things to happen, which is good. I mean, that's what you kind of, but getting to the acknowledge, acknowledging yourself at that level is big. It sounds like, I mean, you guys seem to have a good, self-awareness of how that all works. Um, where does that come from? Because I would consider you guys much more aware of like strengths and weaknesses, temptations, and just your, you guys as you, aware of yourself in general. Do you guys feel like you're that away or is that? I'd, I'd like to think that's true. Um, <laughs> I Can I tell the Rick Dolan story? Five talents. Oh, that's a good story. So when we were applying to residency, we went down to Memphis, Tennessee, um, not together. We didn't know each other at the time, but um, Memphis, Tennessee to interview at a program called Resurrection Health. And um, it was a faith-based program. And one of the leaders um, in that organization always gave us a, a talk. Um, and he kind of traditionally gave the the parable of the, the talents. Um, talk. <laughs> and basically he would go through the parable talking about some, some different points, but at the end of it, the overall thesis was you can interpret this parable and the nuances of it, you know, in a lot of different ways, but there's one thing that you're not going to ever be able to get past as a physician in America. And that is that you are a five talent person. Like you can, you can interpret this all kinds of other ways that you want to and argue about this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, not one of you in this room applying to residency is not a five talent person. And so 
from a biblical perspective, it was super challenging to just think about, you know, privilege in the sense not being or being rather a gift from God, but at the same time coming with uh, a responsibility, like what we do with that privilege is super important. And um, I think that that's probably, probably one of the watershed moments for me, um, realizing that and having that aha moment um, before I ever started residency, that moving forward, whether it's finances or training or jobs or family or time, whatever it might be, um, we can't get past the fact that we're responsible for what we do with all those blessings. So for those that are not as familiar with the passage or five talents, can you explain like what that, a little bit more about that? It's a parable that shows up in slightly different ways um, a couple times in the Gospels. Um, basically, the premise is that um, Jesus is telling a story about what the kingdom of God could be compared to. And there's a master or uh, I think they refer to him as a master who gives his servants um, some amount of money. So to one servant, he gives one talent to another servant. He gives uh, three talents, I think. And then to the other servant, he gives five talents and says, you know, go and, and be productive with this. And I, you know, I'll, I'll come back for, for my, for my returns when I come back from my trip. And so um, one servant with the five talents goes out and makes five more and he gets, you know, rewarded by the master when he comes back and, one who got three talents, same thing, makes three more and gets rewarded for his efforts. And then, but the one who had one talent, you know, just kind of buried it because he was afraid. Sits that, on it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sits he's on it. He's worried. He's worried. He's worried and not courageous. Um, and so he, he sits on it and gives the one talent back to his master when he comes back and he does not get rewarded. He gets called, I think, lazy and foolish or something like that. Um, for wicked. not having wicked. That's a strong. It gets um, called some names. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just the the thought of, okay, like we have been given these five or, you know, whatever the equivalent is um, for the analogy in our lives. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're responsible for, for not just sitting on it, not just squandering it on ourselves. Um, yeah. Maybe that's what I was kind of in my head thinking about. Uh, it's a, the word probably should be responsibilities. You guys seem to have respect for the, responsibility aspect of because in medicine you have um it's well compensated and that's generally i guess looked upon as a good thing but it also comes with higher level of responsibility uh also comes with more temptation potentially yeah i think all those things are i think there's two two parts uh that we kind of just hit on one is setting up boundaries uh, and the other is the burden or feeling of responsibility to be wise with what you're given. And I think both of those are important um, in painting the picture. But the the I'd say the third leg of this is that joy that comes with giving and being charitable. Mm. I, I think, you know, when we when we talk in general terms about boundaries or fences or whatever it is that hymns you in, it seems like a, uh, it seems like a restricting kind of thing, Mm. but really it's liberating because you don't, uh, you don't have to worry about things and 
you get to see the joy of the fruits of your labor. And I, I think along with that, we felt very fortunate to be able to help some folks that are in, in some tougher ministry situations than we find ourselves in currently here in our jobs in the States. Mm-hmm. And that's, <clears throat> that's where it really, I think, uh, moves the needle is when you can actually provide impact and help, you know, people. Is that how much of your giving is like, um, you know, people that you know versus institutions and large groups? Oh, the vast, I'd say the majority is people that we know. So probably over 90%. Which is unique, I think. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know. If you looked at the charitable giving makeup of the country, I think, I would think the vast majority is institutional, you know, like large, large organizations. Yeah, I think our perspective has always been much more community oriented. Like we really want to prosper the city and the place that we're in. And so even if we give institutionally, it tends to be to local charities um, Mm -hmm. where we can really know kind of more intimately who is benefiting from that and really wanting to be an advocate for people who have, or I guess a resource for people who have vision to improve, you know, here where we're at. Yeah. And I just, I have to like highlight what Matt just said, because I feel like that's such a good point. Like, it is a liberating thing to be able to, to give and give freely. And, you know, second Corinthians talks about God loving a cheerful giver and um, not a reluctant one. And it's so, it's so true that like when, when you can know that it's not your money anyway, which sounds super cliche, but like there's so much anxiety that I treat in clinic with medications (laughs) that has a lot to do with money. Like, um, it has uh, plenty of other things too, but like, it really is one of those forces in our lives. Worry about money can be so devastating if you don't have somewhere to channel that and a God to trust or, uh, you know, a framework to, to put that in. So anyway. And it's not, and you hit on a good point. It's not your money. I don't think we said it exactly that way yet, but that's, uh, I think important. That's a, a philosophy, I guess I would call, you know, that's big time mind shift uh way of looking at it and helps totally reflected in the way that jesus you know tells that five talents parable he specifically says this is the master's money and he gives it <laughs> to the servants mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's not theirs it's not theirs to keep but for those who do well with what they've been given the reward in the end of the parable is come and share in your master's so you know it's, it may not be ours to keep but the joy of the master at the end of all of it in his gracious riches, like that is ours to keep um, mm-hmm. as we honor him with what we have. It's all, it's interesting to me to see kind of the, uh, the science um, science doesn't always uh, perfectly mesh with, with faith and Christianity and religion. Oftentimes it's in conflict, but uh, in this case with uh, re- there's been a lot of research on, uh, happiness and money. And I don't know if you guys have seen any of that, but it, it's gotten to be where the overwhelming cons- consensus is that um, best return on your dollar from a, you know, you can do whatever with it, but like spend, save, or give is giving, uh, particularly in like things where you are directly involved in them, where you can kind of have a little experience kind of 
add into it as well. Um, has that, has that been your all's experience? Is like, it sounds like it is from what you're describing is that it's, you have had a lot of joy, I guess is what that translates to, uh, as a result of your giving, but I just want to kind of unpack that a little bit. Is that, is that a good assessment of that for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is there any question? Is it like no question? No, it's no question. Yeah. Cause I think when you're on, I have not always been, uh, I have improved in my personal giving over time. And I see that with a lot of clients we work with in our planning firm. Uh, but when I was a, not as uh, charitable, it was a little hard for me to picture that actually playing out. I think it's hard to understand how that's even possible. That's, I guess, how our minds work sometimes too, is you just kind of like, that's not really how it is. Uh, but it totally is true. And, and it's so good to hear that. Um, and that's true in my case as well, is that it's completely the best possible thing you can do with your money. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it on the head. Like it's, I think in some ways it's a muscle that has to be exercised, but the more that you exercise it, um, the more you understand the benefit and, and how it lends health to your perspective on the money you still have. It lends health to your heart, um, in, tempering worry about your finances. It, it just lends to so many good benefits, not the least of which is the simple joy you get to experience and grow in as you get to bless other people. I agree. Uh, being such a talented spender my whole life, <laughs> I, I can assure all the listeners uh, that the joy that comes that's fleeting with anything you purchase, it, it pales in comparison to knowing like, you can you can change lives through being charitable. I, I I don't really change lives by buying a nicer power tool, even though it's nice to have, or a nice bike or a car or whatever. Like all those things may bring a fraction of joy, but it literally is a fraction when when you talk to people that uh, receive gifts. Yeah, when you buy stuff, it's kind of like self. And yeah, it's about me. And in a similar vein to. To maybe take it one step further, like when I'm having a bad day at work, it is not the thought of coming home to X, Y, and Z physical comfort that gets me through. Um, there's a lot of things that get me through, but it is much more inspiring to think, you know, I'm working hard at this job so that I've got money in the bank to give other people like this isn't even this isn't, you know, just for me. And so, yeah, there's a lot of levels to that. Can you share some of the... Um specific types of examples of what you're giving to or some of the things that excite you the most? We have a lot of friends on the mission field and I'd have to say the top of the list. And the thing that we give most to is um, our missionary friends. I think we've got seven teams now, um, including one um, that's not international here in uh, the States. Um, but then the other um, six are either already abroad or in process of getting abroad. That's definitely the top of our list. And then for me, I think beyond that, um, next on the list would be like local food banks and homeless shelters. There's a ministry here in the local called Scarlet Hope um, that helps transition women who want to be free of the sex industry into jobs um, that are not in the sex industry. And so, yeah, those are probably my top. Do you have anything to add? Uh, we have a neighbor that is starting a restaurant. We started a food truck and... 
needed some funds and he did a GoFundMe and everything, but uh, we had an opportunity to, to help him out in a big way uh, almost a year ago now. And it was in the middle of COVID and like, it was just crazy to think that this guy's going to be opening a restaurant at that time. And he opened, he had his opening weekend uh, a week ago, you know, everybody loves it. And uh, it's, it's fun to see from the outside because I feel like that was a real way to, to love a neighbor. And to mm-hmm. love our neighborhood. And to love our neighborhood. Cause mm-hmm. really uh, it means barbecue for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but economically, like also oh, like yeah. bringing more business oh, down sorry. this yeah. way and, you know, empowering um, folks who maybe historically had been less advantaged economically to, you know, own their own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you guys look into the future, um, what does giving look like? Do you feel like I've heard the word, um, you know, charitable giving is what people say a lot or giving or tithing or that kind of stuff. But I like to, I've heard people describe it as uh, sacrificial giving. That's, that's the word I was going to bring up. What does that look like to you guys? Um, if you, if you look to the future. Uh, that is probably two, two pronged. One is we've discussed giving more as time goes on and not just stagnate at a certain level or whatever. And then two would be um, the giving of our time once we get the big picture, a.k.a. debt, uh, figured out. We'll just have a lot more freedom with our time. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, assuming we change jobs. And <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right now, you know, working full time, that takes a lot of the time aspect because you can give, you know, financially, you can also give your time. And and we've had conversations too about, you know, which is, which is better, <laughs> which is not a fair like question really to ask, but you know, there's definitely been times when we've loved being able to give so much that we've considered, you know, what would it look like if we really did just stay in very well-paying jobs and instead of trying to go on the mission fields ourselves, just, fund it for as many other people as we possibly can, because we do have jobs that would lend to that, or at least a profession that would. So um, I think it's, I think it's worth exploring in every individual's context, what leveraging all of the resources the Lord has given you could look like. And that includes balancing time as well as money and, you know, the, the other things that the Lord has given you responsibility for pouring into. In our case, we don't, you know, we don't have kids um, currently. So, you know, our resources are even more free than some folks. And so there's a level of responsibility, obviously, with children and that sort of thing that you have to take in consideration with these things too, and not just be flippant. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in training, listening to this and I'm thinking like, you know, I resonate with that, but um, should I give before I have my, it paid off from, I mean, this income is not very, I mean, it's, I have a hard time doing the things I want to do. It, you know, there's so many things that I need to do before I start giving, but it is important. What would you say to that? Do you think it's a valid thing to um, put off for a little bit or is that, uh, is that the wrong way of looking at it? We're staring at each other trying to figure out who wants to address this one. <laughs> That's a dope. And it depends on the person. I mean, you know, everybody has their own situation. And so you could parse this out. Like I could, I could see somebody thinking I'm still in med school. And unless you're one of those people that your parents are paying for it, you're probably like 
you at least have an awareness of your debt. And if you spend a dollar on a coffee today, when did coffee ever cost a dollar? By Never. Never. Okay. I'm sorry. When I spend $4 on my <laughs> mocha latte today, there you go. it's going to be $20 in three years. So like I, you could also say the same thing about your giving. And um, I, I think that's a dangerous road to go down um, and why it is such a personal thing. Like, uh, you know, you have a budget even when you're in med school and your loans aren't exactly divvied out based on your expenses. So I would say uh, if, if somebody feels led to give towards something, that's important to do. Um, I had, I had friends that were, you know, strict with their giving as far as, uh, the classical 10th of whatever loans they received and then other people who weren't and, I don't know. Did you ask for advice for these folks? Yeah. I totally forgot the question. I'm just kind of talking now. Basically, what should you do in training if you want to give, but you're like, there's too many different choices. I think, you know, if you, if it comes down to what is your, I mean, what are you feeling is where, where are you feeling led and what's your, what's your um, own situation? And I mean, you obviously have a lot of control in, in that situation, but if giving is important or if you felt, feel like that is a something you want to do um i think it can be overwhelming to do it all at once and so maybe in training you just give a little bit like or start the some sort of automatic thing in training so you can get the muscle working that's what i was kind of getting at it's like it's a muscle you we've said that a few times so it's like you kind of got to start working out (laughs) if you're not hitting the gym at all you're not going to get, you're not going to, yeah. it's not going to grow, but it's hard in training. I think to hit the gym, there's just not a lot of time and money or money. in. Yeah. There's, there's not a lot of resources in the training years. That's, mm-hmm. and that's certain. okay. But I, I kind of, I still think that in, for my own heart check, um, even in training, it was still kind of a matter of, um, do my, do, does my overall financial pattern match my, match my priorities or my, my values. And, you know, if, if giving is one of them, like it's, it's gotta be in the mix. Um, and I think that's, you know, an obedience issue for a lot of people. Now, that being said, we've also had friends who went through residency planning on getting to the mission field as soon as possible. Like they were wanting to be on the mission field with their families, actively doing work within, you know, two or three years at the latest of graduating residency. And I think that that, is just one example of other ways that maybe not doing a whole lot of charitable giving does make sense. Like if you're, if you're really honestly lining up your, your checkbooks, an old term, but you know what I mean? Um, with, with your, (laughs) with your kingdom call or your, your values in life, then, you know, there, there are, there are reasons for that to be an approach also because, you know, they just, they worked their butts off for two years and spent every little dime they could on paying back debt. And they got to the field, um, on their timeline. And, um, that even, that even required some people probably to pour in resources into them. Um, you know, as, as missionaries looking for funds from other people even. Um, and so I, yeah, I think there's, there's circumstances where you could say giving during residency or during training years, during resource type, times, um, it, it should definitely be considered seriously. And if your financial 
picture doesn't line up with your values in every other area, like how much you spend on yourself or how much you spend on, you know, frivolous things, um, then yeah, giving should, should be a, a muscle to start exercising so that you don't fall into those patterns. And an even worse way, when you become an attending and all of a sudden, literally overnight, you're suddenly making three or four times as much money as you had before. Gotta get those habits right with the, with the small and in order to be prepared at all for the, the larger things to come. Oh yeah. If you're listening to this right now and you're still in, in training, I, I can't, I can't put a big enough exclamation mark on what Ashley just said. I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna, your jaw's going to drop when you see your bank account. Like, and so the earlier you can talk to Daniel and get all your finances squirreled away and funneled into the right funnels. Uh, and the earlier you start, working on that stuff now and thinking about it, it will pay off mostly for your soul, but also for your sanity and everything else on the flip side. Yeah. I think what Ashley said is huge is an even more important than, than, um, you know, the planning and the stuff that we do is your values and clarity on what's most important. And you guys have a, have good clarity. I think part of that is because you spent some time on it and you, you, you're just clear on your values. I mean, that's, that's, that's an important kind of precursor to all this is having good value clarity and then, and then checking yourself a little bit because um, we're all human at the end of the day. So you kind of get a little loosey goosey. Sometimes you get kind of out of shape a little bit. And so, but at the end of the day, it's about what's most important to you and, understanding, you know, what that looks like and the sooner, the better for anyone, because once you know that, then you can like navigate. well. So what happens is when you make those big transition points, like in the practice is a huge one and you're not clear on what's most important. It's incredibly difficult or maybe impossible to make all those big decisions. Like the house you all mentioned, you're going to have a hard time with it. You're going to be really prone to slipping up on it and going, you know, on the high end and, then all of a sudden you get kind of locked into that sort of setup and you can't do the, those other things that were most important, but you could have avoided that just by saying, you know, what's most important to me and being clear on that. And then you can do that at any point. In your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm, re- I'm sitting here reflecting on all the decisions we made three years ago in the span of three months. I mean, we were, we were fortunate to talk through them uh, at multiple points with you. Uh, but I, yeah, I think there was, there were so many decisions coming so quickly and they were all very big that you need to have the the value sounding board to, to help steer you. Well, and we were fortunate to have a community and residency that patterned that really well for us. And so anyone who's in training and completely immersed with people who don't have the same value system, I think you need to be extra careful because you're not the patterns that you're witnessing that you're going to be tempted to just fall into are maybe not the ones that really align with your values. And so explore that. Like if, if all of your co-residents are talking about, okay, as soon as that first paycheck's come, you know, we're, we're pre-approved for the $600,000 house. And, you know, we're going to shoot for it, whatever it might be like, just, just, pause for a moment and see if there's anyone that 
that patterns after your values better and, and try and figure out where some of those pitfalls might be. Cause the pattern of this world is not, is not always, is it's not going to align very well. Right. It's easy to fall into. Yeah. They say you're, you're the average of your five best friends. So they do? Yep. That's what I've heard. Uh-oh. <laughs> I need to get more friends. <sighs> but you have to have five friends. I was going to say, I haven't hit that threshold yet. <laughs> You've got five. Your dog doesn't count as one. Yeah. Nice. He's pretty big. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed talking. I'll, I need to, I, y'all are on vacation, so I, I really appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> and I want you to get back to vacationing. But any parting words from you guys? This has been helpful to kind of see you all have been through it. And I think that's one of the best uh and you've done well with it. And I think that's a lot of people are going to benefit from just hearing that alone. I think my final thought um, would be just to highlight something that we said earlier in psychological terms. It's very helpful when attempting to make changes to make the change itself feel and seem small. And so if you feel or see the need for change in the way that you're currently doing things or not doing things with giving, just start taking the small steps and start exercising that muscle, um, in the small ways. And, um, it will, it, it can definitely end up redirecting into bigger change but you got to start, you got to start small because we're human don't do big change very easily. Yes. That's a really good thing. Small, small steps towards big goals. And then, um, I think, I think at the end of the day, if you get to the end of the road, the clarity at that moment would be, was I, was I beholden to my spending or was I beholden to my giving? And the, the closer you can move that needle towards the giving, I think the more rewarding of a life you'll, you'll lead spiritually, emotionally, all the ways. Mm-hmm. That's good. We're, we're going to close with that. I have nothing. I, that's, that's all. That's very good stuff. Guys, I appreciate it and uh, have a great vacation. Thanks, Thanks, Daniel. (laughs) Good talking with you. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors.